And th- th- this is not an easy reading. Apostle Paul never really is an easy man to follow. But God has spoken through him. So let us read God's word uh, carefully. And let me read these verses for all of us. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good, To those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom He predestined, He also called. And these whom He called, He also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Amen. We are looking at the topic of intercession or intercessory prayer. And I told you the journey that we have taken so far since last year. From Ezekiel 20, the unfaithful generations of God's people. And humanly speaking, it took Moses' intercessory prayer from God to annihilate the entire Israelites in the desert. So we are here in Romans 8, the latter part of Romans 8, trying to find something about the intercession or intercessory prayer that we all need to know about as Christians. So far, we have noticed from these verses, that we are weak. Remember, that was the beginning point of our discussion. Because I thought, unless we see ourselves as weak, who would pray? So I wanted to lay the foundation that biblical view of self was a weak one. But that was not the end of the story. Because Bible said, whenever I am weak, then I am strong. That humble Reliance upon Christ in your weakness makes you strong through Christ's might. What's the foundation? And I said in this way, that's the foundation. And I've asked you last week to forget about all that we know about Christian prayer. Obviously, there are many things that we could talk about. But last week, I wanted to give you the first pillar. What was that? If there's one thing that I wanted you to know from this text was the fact that Holy Spirit intercedes for you on your behalf according to God, we said last week. That's what sets our Christian prayer apart. And I wanted to warn all of us because we have learned prayer by seeing someone praying in our families, in our churches. 
But I think what's most important about our Christian prayer is that we need to have biblical foundation. Our prayers are not heard, not because how loud we pray, how long we pray, in what form we pray, in what sequence of words we pray, or how persistently we pray. Obviously, all those things are important. But some people make commitment. Seven days, 40 days, and all. Or how early you pray, how late you pray, how hungry you were when you were praying, which direction you are buying down. We don't do that, but a few months ago in, in, in LIE, I was heading east uh, late afternoon, like 5 o'clock p.m. I saw someone getting off his car, obviously a Muslim man, praying right next to the highway. Which direction? Which time? What time? All of those are human works. I believe, to impress God. I've done this, so hear me. But the Bible, Word of God from Romans 8, 26 and 7 taught us that we should rely on the Holy Spirit as we pray. You are heard because of Christ, but in the Holy Spirit was the first pillar. Now today we are going to, I want to talk about the second pillar. First, second, and next week, third pillars, three pillars, and probably from that foundation you could build your Christian prayer. Second pillar that is, I believe, very important in our Christian life is Romans 8.28. If you have been a Christian for any length of time, Chances are that you probably have heard this verse already. All things work together for good for those who love God. Arguably, I believe this would be the, one of the most famous, or if not the most all-time favorite verses for Christian life. Why is that? Why is that? Because we learn very quickly that not everything goes to according to our plan. When do we turn to Romans 8.28? When things go all right, when things fall apart, when things go dark, then we go to this verse, Romans 8.28. And we say to our family members and friends and even to ourselves, you know, God works all things together for good. So, Do not worry. Take courage. Maybe this situation is part of God's plan. Nothing wrong with that understanding. Like you, I've relied upon that verse, this verse, many, many times in my life. How comforting this verse is for all of us. Let me read that again. And this is NAS. And NAS puts something in a distinct order because 
It says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Most other translations would say, all things work together for good to those who love God, but leave out God causing because it is not in the text. But the problem with that, the second translation is, that NAS probably, they didn't want to put all things in the subject as if all things somehow work themselves out in a good way. So they overdid themselves here, putting God causes all things. But the idea is the same. As we believe in the sovereignty of God, God weaves all things in the universe to cause all things to work together for good. Now what I want to do today by the grace of God, through the help of God, I prayed is to shed some more light upon this verse. I praised God this week for what God has shown me this week from this verse. And I want to share that with you. A couple of weeks ago, I was looking at this verse. Verse 26, verse 27, weakness, Holy Spirit's intercession. And my next subject was in verse 34, Christ's intercession. So my eyes were just reading down from verse 26 and following. And I was reading at verse 27, according to the will of God, or according to God. And we know that God causes all things for, to work together for good. And I was just reading it, but one word caught my attention. Can you guess what that word would be? In verse 28. I was just reading through it. Just going down to verse 34. But one, one word really caught my attention. That word was that very first word in verse 28 in NAS. And it said, end. Remember a few, a couple, I don't know, months ago, Mother's Day message. I talked about how conjunction worked in Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel. It connected to that previous Judges, Book of Judges. And here too, I was reading, and it said, and we know. And I said, wait. I said, wait, wait. Why is end there? I've never seen that before in Romans 8.28. Why? Why haven't I seen it? The, The very first conjunction, end. Because this is a famous verse. What do we do with famous passages or verses? We kind of glance it over because we, underst- we know it. You know what verse 828 is going to say. So, oh, we understand this. Everything's going to work together for good and we just move on. So in our minds, famous verses, Bible passages, they exist uh, in a vacuum, kind of. Detached from the context. But because of that conjunction, simple conjunction, end, I realized Romans 8.28 is not a freestanding verse. That's the first thing that I've noticed. Verse 28 is not an island. But verse 28 is connected to the mainland that is previous verses by the Conjunction, this simple conjunction, end. 
probably because I spent about a couple of weeks in verse 26 and 27, past two weeks. My mind was filled with the topic of prayer, as you have seen it with me. Because we are weak, God helps us in our prayers and Holy Spirit intercedes for us according to God. All that God is, we were thinking, so we we were saying. So my mind was filled with that context. Verse 26 and 7, which is the prayer. God, Holy Spirit's intercession for us. Main idea was prayer. And then I was moving on to verse 28. And the apostle says, through the inspiration of Holy Spirit, he says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Verse 28, that famous verse, the, one of the most favorite verses of, of all time for all Christians. Verse 28 is a carry-over statement. Flowing out of verse 26 and 27, and it goes back, verse 28 goes back and reinforces the two big ideas in verse 26 and 27. So the thought process goes something like this. Let me, let me just put it in this terms. Because of our weaknesses, the Holy Spirit Himself helps us in our prayers, interceding for the saints according to the will of God. So do not be discouraged in your prayers. Because of the presence and the help of the Holy Spirit. Verse 28, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. So do not be discouraged. Do not fear. Is what the idea of chapter 8, verse 28 is all about. It is flowing out of that discussion of Holy Spirit helping us in our prayers. Why do you think Apostle Paul, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said that? To encourage the believers. That's right. The whole thrust in the second half of Romans 8 is encouragement for Christians. Look at verse 31 that I've printed for you, reference. Main theme here is the encouragement. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Verse 32. Will he not give us freely all things? Verse 33. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Verse 34. Christ himself also intercedes for us. It is now Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ who is interceding for us. Do not be discouraged. Verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? So do not be discouraged. The last verse, summarizing, nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's right. If you have noticed Romans 8, especially the passages that we've been looking at, Spirit's intention as he directed the pen of Apostle Paul, after describing all of the great truths about our redemption in Christ. Chapters 1 through 7. And at the height of Romans 8, what the Spirit wanted to do for the church was to encourage you. And we have read from verse 26 and 27, there you should be encouraged in your prayers. 
because you are not alone. You are not hard because you impressed God, but because of the Holy Spirit. And verse 28 is reinforcing that idea, saying, do not worry. Because God causes all things to work together for good. Don't fear. So if I could put it this way, verse 26 and 27 are there to encourage us in and during our prayers. But verse 28 is, what do you do after prayer is done? Verse 28 is God's invitation for you to come and rest in God. Once we have offered up our prayers through the Spirit's help, who bring us into the mind of God, we are hard, we are convinced. That's why Apostle Paul says, we know. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. So rest in me. Do not fear. About the conjunction, I was thinking to myself, am I overreacting on this little conjunction? Am I making too big deal out of a simple conjunction? So what I did was there are two conjunctions that could be translated as an end in Greek. And this is that little word, D-E, not D-E, but D-E. It could go end, but also all kinds of stuff. So I went back in Romans 8, entire chapter of Romans 8, and I wrote down the verses that had that little conjunction. Verse 8, 9, 10, 11, 17, 23, 25, 26, 27, 28 had that little conjunction. I went back and checked all of them in Greek and in English translations to see if you could omit that translation. Sometimes it's just too much. So you could leave it alone and it's fine. But I've noticed in Romans 8, if you take that out and not translate it, you are really doing disservice to the translation because in all these verses that I've just mentioned, Apostle Paul is making a logical connections in all of those. If you leave them out, you are really disconnecting the thoughts. So many English translations break off verse 28 in a separate paragraph as if verse 28 begins a new train of thought. That's a very dangerous thing because that's not what is happening here. But anyway, my conclusion is, more importantly, when I investigated that, verses 25 through 28 are a one unit. You know, whatever I preach from, I preach from Apostle Paul's letters often. When I was in a previous church, I had a younger man, pastors, younger, younger pastors. Then I've always said to them, whenever they preach, let's say, in youth group, they would say something like this. 
Paul says, Apostle Paul says, and I would always correct younger men, and I always told them, you know, not many young people understand what you're saying when you say Paul says. Rather, for the instruction's sake, why don't you say God says through Paul? You are giving an impression that it is as if some apostles talked, spoke a long time ago, and we have to listen to him, a man. Well, he's a man. But God is speaking through Apostle Paul, so you should say, God says through Paul. That's what I mostly do. But one thing that you notice about Apostle Paul, when you spend enough time like me, how do I know the mind of the Spirit that inspired Apostle Paul? Expired. Only through the grammar. Think about that. I don't know what Apostle Paul is saying unless I dig inside of all that he's expressing and thinking and it comes through the grammar. It's not because I love grammar. It's not because I'm an expert in the grammar. But those little things gets me thinking and I am simply saying here today that little word is again Very, very important, reflecting the mind of the Spirit. So I checked. Is there any other persons, the theologians, who would say this? So I have a few commentaries and I've read them. But no, only one person said this. His name, once again, I quote this name, once again, not because... I like him or anything, but he's the one who said it. His name is N.T. Wright, and commenting on verse 28, he says this. Verse 28 does not represent a completely new thought. It is bound entirely to the sequence of the argument. The intercession spoken of in verse 26 will be heard and answered in ways that verse 28 describes. Look with me. If you look at verse 28 as flowing out of that two verses, verse 28 will have a whole new meaning. The basic meaning will be there, but there will be new light shed upon it. Let me read from verse 26 and following again. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 28 is a gift from God to those who eagerly wait for Christ's return for that hope that is not seen, but in prayer. Verse 28 is not a verse that you could simply bring down from heaven whenever things go wrong. Verse 28 is designed to comfort Christians who eagerly wait for Christ's return in prayer. It is the promise to those who are praying, praying Christians, 
that God says to you and you alone, I will cause all things to work together for good to those who love me and wait for me in prayer. So this is a a great encouragement for all of you who pray. There is no greater incentive for praying Christians than this and persevere in it. What a wonderful truth that is. If you could attach verse 28 to the train of thought that has developed actually from verse 25 and following. What are some of the applications of this? I was thinking, what is the dominant emotion during our prayer? Arjun prayer. That dominant emotion is not the desire itself, but the fear. What if I don't get that? What if this doesn't happen for me? So as we pray seriously about certain things, the dominant emotion during our prayer is not expectation so much, but the fear. What if this doesn't work out? What if I don't get this? What if I don't get in? What if I don't do this? But if you keep verse 28 in mind, in your prayer, you will be set free from that fear. Because you know, it is not those missed opportunities that will destroy your life. It is not the powers that be who will control your destiny. But this good God alone is able to bring all things together for good. He alone is able. And He alone will do it for you if you are a sincere child of God praying to Him. So what happens when you are freed from that fear? Then you could make a choice after prayer. You could enjoy that choice in your Christian life. And then you could move on from the past, forgetting what lies behind, but looking forward to what is ahead of you in Christ. Why? Because you understand, according to verse 28, I wait for Christ. My desire is to be with Christ. And as you pray, Spirit intercedes for you, And God says to you, guess what? I am working all things for good. And if you are like me, and reading this verse again, verse 28, you will be surprised to find out there is no my good. My is missing. Oftentimes we think of this verse in our head and thinking, of course, God is going to work all things for good. And you are, what, what are you thinking? My good. Everything's going to be fine. My good. But it is not my good, but for good. And what really helped me at this point was the second paragraph of our confession that we read last week. It talked about God has all life, glory, 
goodness in and of himself. That's right. When God says God is causing all things to work together for good, what do you think that good is pointing to? That good is his good, his ultimate good, his glory. But because he's gracious in his goodness, in his ultimate good, your well-being is also included because you are his child. All things, God causes all things to work together for good to whom? To those who love God. And we think, well, now I need to love God. Because I want everything to work out fine in my life. But it says to love God. So, oh my gosh, I need to love God now. But if you read what follows afterwards, that's not what this Bible is saying. God causes all things to work together for good, for good to those who love God. And who are those? And it has the description here. To those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, predestined to become conformed to the image of Son. Those whom he predestined, he also called. He called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. That chapter 8, verse 30 is often called the golden chain. But when you think about it, is it? Is it there to tell us about the aura of salvation? I don't think so. It is really describing to those who love God. Who are those? Why do they love God? Because God has loved them first. Because God foreknew them. God predestined them. God called them. God justified them. God has glorified them. And they love me because I love them first. And it is not there to teach us about doctrine of order salutis. It is not. It is simply describing who you are in Christ. So let's put all these things together. First pillar was what? Holy Spirit helps me in my prayer. I'm not alone. I don't have to do crazy stuff to impress God so He could hear me. You simply rely on the Holy Spirit. What is the second pillar then today? Last week, I said, everything is going to be all right. It was a cheesy statement. <laughs> everything is going to be all right. What God is saying in verse 28 as a second pillar, if I could put it that way, what God is really saying is this, my son, my daughter, do not fear. Stop trembling. Stop worrying. My son, my daughter, you have my spirit with you. And I am working all things for good, but that will include you as well. I foreknew you. I predestined you. I called you. I justified you. I glorified you. Question is, why? Why would God do that? Why would God for, for all these things? I have a theory for you. Again, second theory. First theory in the basement of Franklin Square, I told you. I have a theory. God has done all of these for you, those of you who are called according to His purpose. Why? I have a theory. 
Because God loves you. I think so. I think that's my guess. Why? You, we always go to these sections that we know, thinking that we know. Even me, reading the last few verses, you know, golden chain, all this stuff. Then you miss the very important things. Look at verse 37, verse 39 with me. I'll be done soon. What does verse 37 say? But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. So what is the grand conclusion of it all here? Verse 39. Nothing will separate us from the what? Love of God. Who are those who are called according to His purpose? Those whom God has placed His sight and love upon them. Why would God send the Spirit to help you? So that you could be efficient in your prayer? It's not because of that. Because God loves you. He sent His helper to you. Why verse 28? Why that assurance? Because God loves you. And you miss all of that, then we are missing everything. And my thought immediately went to Ephesians, that first chapter. Apostle Paul is kind of genius. I live in his brain for a long time, thinking about all this grammar. His line of thinking is quick, like this. And he can't stop himself. That's who he is. And in Ephesians, first chapter is an entire one sentence. Almost all of it is. Because he couldn't stop himself. And in that great doctrinal statement in verse 4, chapter 1, do you know how it begins? Predestination? It does not begin with he predestined us. But it says, in love, he predestined us. So, the second pillar that I want you to hold on to in your prayer life is not everything is going to be all right. Although it is, uh, there is a sense for that. But that He loves you. Romans 8.28 is really God loving you. That is why verse 28 works for you. Because God has given you in His love. And because God loves you, we have a helper in the Holy Spirit. And I hope and pray that you could rejoice in these forces and the truth as you pray, as you wait eagerly for His return in hope. But let us wait for His return in prayer, convinced that He loves me, is the second pillar. Let's pray.